so glad you guys are here with us on uh, on Palm Sunday. I don't know about you, but I just decided, I remember when I was a kid, church I went to, uh, on Palm Sunday, as we walked in, they'd hand out little palm branches. And, and you know, and of course, the kids, we messed with them the whole service. So we, we don't, that's why we don't do it. No. We, we, well, we would do it here. We would do it here, except they all got covered with snow yesterday. So it was uh, Friday, so we couldn't do it. So, but we're so glad that you're here and you've chosen to worship with us on Palm Sunday. You know, this is the day, right, that it marks Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, and Palm Sunday also marks the beginning of Holy Week, which really, when you think Holy Week, what was it, is it? Well, it's really the process of Jesus' journey to the cross from entry into Jerusalem to his journey to the cross. It's a time when followers of Jesus around the world reflect on his love for us, the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. It's a, it's a very powerful, uh, important week. You know, uh, a lot of things that are in the New Testament are written in, you know, like the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes there's, there are accounts of certain events that happened in Jesus' life that are like maybe just in Matthew or just in Mark and Luke, or, you know, because four different gospel writers saw the ministry of Jesus from four different angles, right? And so they, they captured different things. Interestingly enough, uh, the events that we're going to look at today of Palm Sunday are, are captured in all four gospels, okay? And which, which kind of is a signal, right, that when it's there four times, it's important. It's important. It's a big deal. So why don't we begin by reading... Uh, what we're going to do is uh, uh, we won't read the whole account in all four Gospels, okay? But what, but what we will do is we're going to read the account uh, in Matthew with a little insert from Luke, okay? And then we'll come back to Matthew. So um, if you want to turn in your Bibles uh, today, we're going to start with Matthew 21, verses 1 through 9. Matthew 21, 1 through 9. Then we're going to jump to Luke, and then we'll come back to Matthew. But so uh, Matthew 21, 1 through 9, it, uh, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and they will send you on your way. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah, which was, Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, the disciples went and they did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the palm trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right. So then let's continue on and let's go over to uh, Mark. I mean, excuse me, to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 39 through uh, 44. So now remember, uh, they've, they've ridden, but they're, they're on their way into Jerusalem, okay? Some of the Pharisees, and, and all the people are shouting, right? Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, so as that's happening, here's verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, because what, they're calling you king. They're, they're, they're praising you. And he says, Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if even you had only known on this day what would, uh, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of the Lord's coming to you. So, then we continue on. So now Jesus entered Jerusalem back in Matthew and picking up in verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they said, who's this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, he asked them. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read that from the lips of children and infants, the Lord, uh, you, uh, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them, and he went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. All right. So what we see here, right, remember when we read in Matthew 21, 9, it says, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey. And while he waved the palm, and there were people waving the palm branches, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, look, the people were excited to see Jesus, right? They recognized him, and, and, and many caught on, knew that he was the Messiah. Uh, and so what they did as a sign of respect, they threw their coats down on the, on the road in front of him. Now, in Minnesota, that would make a mess right now, okay? But they, were, they threw their coats down, and they also threw palm branches down on the ground as a sign of respect, creating this path for him. Uh, to walk on. However, here's the thing. Many of the people who were there, though, mistakenly thought that Jesus' triumphal entry was to usher in a military victory. They thought that he was there to bring them victory over the Romans and establish an earthly kingdom and hopefully improve their immediate circumstances. Obviously, they didn't understand why Jesus actually came. So I got a question for you. What is the problem with confusing why Jesus actually came? What's the problem that that causes? Yeah, you're you're not not getting the right thing. Missing the mark. Yeah. 
your expectations, right, are all wrong. And, 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 and as we know, since, you know, we've already read to the end of the book, right, you know, you guys have, you know, we know that the joyful celebration was short-lived, right? Just a few days later, Jesus was going to be arrested and crucified. Look, it's, it's kind of easy to wonder why this happened. Like, why did all these people who welcomed Jesus with open arms and shouting praises suddenly turn on him? Unfortunately, the answer is actually simple. It's sin. It's sin. Sin is what separates us from God, and it's what caused the people to turn against Jesus. Since they were expecting a political savior who would overthrow that Roman Empire and establish an earthly kingdom, and when Jesus didn't meet their expectations, they rejected him. But Jesus hadn't come to conquer the Romans. He came to conquer sin and death. He didn't come to, to be a political leader. He had come to be their Lord and Savior and our Lord and Savior. Look, this morning, as we remember the events of Palm Sunday, we ought to ask ourselves, kind of, uh, am I more like the people who welcome to Jesus with enthusiasm, but when he doesn't give me everything I want, I turn on him? Or am I like the disciples who remain faithful on the easy day and on the hard day in the face of persecution and even including death? I'd like to help us answer the question, that question by kind of looking at three different symbols that come from that day. Okay, first uh, we're going to look at a donkey, a palm branch, and some rocks. Okay, so first let's talk about a donkey. Okay, I don't know about you, but you know, it talked about Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. And when I think about riding on a donkey, I don't really think about a great ride. <laughs> I, I don't know if any of you have ever ridden a donkey. It, it's not, yeah, okay. Uh, boy, horse, horses are better, and I'd prefer uh, one of those things parked out there, you know. But, I mean, I, nobody, you know, donkeys are stubborn, okay? And they don't really walk with a good gait. It's, it's, it's a kind of an uncomfortable walk, Okay. I mean, nobody's going to call them a great commuter vehicle, and all I can think of is maybe all the camels were already rented. I don't, I don't know. But, but they just, but, but it, it, what to us, right, it would seem like a bad choice, right? It would seem like it must have been like a, a second choice, you know, like all the good stuff was gone. But that's not the case at all. In choosing a donkey and telling the disciples to go into town and find this donkey, Jesus was starting the process of fulfilling a 500-year-old prophecy from the, from the prophet Zechariah. And, and so, uh, because in Zechariah 9.9, now this is a prophecy from 500 years before. This is not something somebody said a day or two before, and you know, they said, oh, well, let's make that happen. This is from 500 years earlier. Zechariah had written, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout! Daughter Jerusalem, see, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In choosing a donkey to carry him into Jerusalem, Jesus was not only fulfilling a prophecy and demonstrating his humility, which it said in Zechariah, lowly and riding on a donkey, but he was really for the first time 
publicly declaring that he was the Messiah. Because think about it. The religious leaders who were there, all the Pharisees and the, the church leaders, right? All, and, and this is all just leading up to the Passover. So there's a lot of uh, people coming into Jerusalem and a lot of religious leaders. And these people knew the Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. And so when this was happening, they knew the symbolism. They knew what it meant. They would have understood the impact of Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. But Jesus didn't come for the fame. He came for the redemption of people. So here's the thing. Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey to announce that he was the Messiah. And he did that for you and me. So we would know. Second, or the palm branches. I told you, you can all imagine that you've got palm branches in your hands. And, you know. okay. In the scripture, we're told that the crowd waved palm branches along Jesus' path. The palm branches were a traditional symbol, though, of military victory. So that's why a lot of you know a lot of these folks thought that Jesus was coming as going to be a, a earthly king, a military kind of king. Okay? That's also, though, because they used the palm branches. That's why we call today Palm Sunday. Yeah, okay, that's where that came from. Okay, can you imagine the people could almost taste the freedom? They've been waiting for someone to come and cut them loose, get them free from... They, and now the guy's here, they think. So, I mean, you know they can just, like, taste all the good stuff that's about to happen, getting rid of the Romans, and, you know, now the Messiah's arrived, and they thought they would get it. So... Those were their expectations. So how about you and me? What are some things that even today people expect from Jesus? Some things people today even expect from Jesus. Financial freedom. They want help with their money. What else? Healing. A great job. That life would be easy. Yeah, I mean, isn't that all right? I mean, don't we all agree? I mean, there's a lot of things that people can, can think, well, why wouldn't Jesus do that for me? Okay, and sometimes when we have those improper expectations, it's like the people back then. Okay, and so the crowd was going to discover pretty quickly, right, that Jesus hadn't come to be that earthly king, to be that kind of general, you know, that general sort of king, a military king establishing a political kingdom he wasn't gonna he, and he wasn't rising into look he wasn't also entering jerusalem to raise support for some political campaign he wasn't riding into jerusalem to like you know shake people's hands and you know like look for more votes in an upcoming election this wasn't for a campaign rally he had come as a spiritual king and the victory that he was going to bring was the victory over sin and death. And restore, give people the opportunity to restore their relationships with God. But the thing that we all want to be very clear on and the people back then needed to be was that Jesus hadn't come to defeat the Romans. He had come to defeat Satan. Who was the enemy of their souls. The, the, the Romans were the enemy of their 
their minds, you know, their lives, but Satan was the enemy of their souls, and he was coming to defeat them. So the question kind of becomes, what about you? What do you expect from Jesus this Easter? What do you expect? Have, have you, if you've become a follower of Jesus and experienced the miracle of forgiveness and healing, you know, that's, that's great. Or because he hasn't met some of your expectations, have you settled for something less? So today, as we all wave our palm branches, the question is, what victory are you looking for? Right? What victory are you looking for? And then finally, those rocks. Okay, how about some rocks? Palm Sunday is kind of a snapshot of Jesus' life. His love, his sacrifice, and his commitment to the greater story of God's ultimate work are wrapped up in the day. Jesus knew. Think about this. Jesus knew as he rode into Jerusalem that day on the donkey, and people are shouting and yelling, and it's a good, it's a good day from a lot of people's perspective. He knew that just a few days later that people were going to turn on him and it was going to stop being Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they would be shouting something different, like crucify him. Even knowing that, that didn't change Jesus' purpose or alter his actions. Okay, Whether the people approved or disapproved of Jesus whether they recognized who he was or they had no idea what was going on. They were just caught up in the excitement of the day. Jesus' purpose never changed. There was one reason for his coming that day into Jerusalem, and that was to announce the arrival of God's Messiah. And that's why Luke 19, 37-40 reads that when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And remember, that was when some of the Pharisees in the crowd got angry about all that praise of Jesus and said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And that's when Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, then the rocks will cry out. They were praising God. What's the best way to praise God? With thanksgiving? With honor? Giving Him honor? Worship? Any other thoughts? What's the best way to praise God? Oh, Christmas Eve and Easter, right? On uh, Yeah. Every Sunday? Yeah. All those. Look, could we... What's that? Vocally, yeah. Yeah, to sing to sing praises. Right? Is, is praising God uh, supposed to be an event in our lives? Is it? Or is it supposed to be every day? Yeah, every day. Is it, is it a moment or is it a lifestyle? It's a lifestyle, isn't it? And so, and so maybe the, when we say what's the best way to praise God, it's to praise him continuously with our lives, right? It's to, it's to demonstrate his love, all the things he's done for us. 
It's, it's one thing to shout Hosanna. It's one thing to have a moment. But God hasn't given us like, you, well, praise is only good if you've got both hands in the air. Or praise is only good if you're bowed down. Or praise is only good if there's a keyboard. There, there's, or, you know, or praise is, you know, no, no, no drums. You know, I mean, there are, no, you know what I mean? There are no rules about what that, because, because what praise really gets down to, it's praise from what's in your heart. It's really what's, what's coming out. You know, it, it talks, there's a verse in the Bible that says it's out of the abundance of your heart that your mouth speaks. Well, it's out of the abundance of your heart that your praises come forth then. And so, really, it's giving the Lord your heart, because then it's your, it's your praise it's, it's true praise because it's coming from your heart. The importance of that day, here's the thing. The importance of that day wasn't about who sang the loudest or who kept quiet. Okay? It was about all of creation. Jesus came to redeem not only you and me, but all of creation because all of creation was living under sin. So it was all of creation that was in need of redemption. It was all of creation that was held under the curse of sin and death. And it was all of creation which would praise God when its creator was at work in such a significant way as what was about to happen that would lift the curse and make a way of restoration for everything that he had originally created. Jesus' purpose was never to be liked by a majority. Jesus never once asked for a vote of popularity. His purpose was to come <laughs> and offer the ultimate sacrifice. It was his own life. So that everyone, including you and me today, as well as all creation, could worship God in freedom and in truth. That's what Luke 1940 was making clear when it said, if the people hadn't worshipped him, the rocks would have cried out. Praise was going to come to the Messiah as he arrived in town. You know, I still think John 3.16 sums it up about as good as you can get, okay? When it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For that, you know, if you think about it, for that alone, isn't he worthy of our praise? For that one, for that one thing. Here's the thing. Back then as well as today, following Jesus isn't always easy. Is it? It's not always easy. Okay? It requires sacrifice and commitment. It means putting aside our own desires and our own ambitions and putting God first in our lives. And it means being willing to take up our own cross and follow him, even if that means that there's some rejection or some persecution. But the good news is that we don't have to go it alone. The good news is Jesus promised to be with us. In Matthew 28, 20, he said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And he sent us his Holy Spirit to strengthen and guide us and empower us. And he's given us his word to instruct us and encourage us. So we should be encouraged knowing that Jesus has triumphed 
over sin and death. And we can remember, like the disciples who witnessed his triumphal entry, that we have the privilege and the responsibility of worshiping him and sharing the good news of salvation with other people. So as we prepare to enter Holy Week, we should do so. Let's do so with a spirit of humility and reverence, remembering that Jesus' purpose was to bring God's love and forgiveness to the lost, suffering, dying, hurting world. And then also to be sure to take some time to reflect on the great sacrifice that he made for you and me at the cross. So as we prepare to close, the question really then becomes for us is, what should our response be to Jesus on Palm Sunday? Well, I'd like to offer that first thing our response should be is to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Luke 19.44, we read a while ago, said, and Jesus said that they were missing the moment of God's coming near. Don't. We want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior because we don't want to miss the time of God's coming near you and me. The second thing is to live according to his word. Psalm 119.11 tells us that, you know, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We, we can live effectively for God as we hide his word in our heart. It's then, it's God's word that comes out of our mouth. It's God's word that directs how we respond to things of life. It's God's word that provides us with wisdom and orders our steps so that I might not sin against God. And then finally, we should respond to Jesus on Palm Sunday by giving him the praise, honor, and glory that he deserves. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He's God's son, and he's your Savior and mine. He's worthy of our praise If we refuse, the rocks will do it. So, if you guys would stand with me as we get ready to close. So, if you bow your heads, just close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I've got a question for you. So, what do you want from Jesus? What do you want from Jesus? If you want him to be your Lord and Savior and you want him to forgive your sins and give you a new life, raise your hand. Thank you. If you want Jesus to heal your brokenness and fill you with hope, raise your hand. Amen. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Lord, today you have seen our hands and you know our hearts. And Father, today, we pray, Lord, that for those Lord, who want you to come and be their Lord and Savior and forgive their sins, Lord, uh, thank you, Father, that you have promised that you will. Lord, we pray that you would heal them, cleanse them, renew them. Lord, give them a new heart. Lord, you've promised that you'll replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. We pray, Lord, that you would wash them and make them new. And, Lord, for those who've asked you to heal their brokenness and fill them with hope, Lord, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would just pour out on each hand, on each person. 
Lord, touch them in a unique and specific way that they can know that was only possible by your hand, that they've been touched and renewed and healed. Lord, I pray for everyone here who raised their hands, Lord, that you would flood their lives with hope. Lord, I pray that even today they would see resolution to issues that they would find, Lord, they would see that you're creating a way where they thought there was no way. And Lord, I pray that you would meet every need that they have. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Now, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of all God's fullness. Amen. Amen.